This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawl, crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I, I'll, I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the end. Side. He's got Max Stamball picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Tom. And this is Tracy Henley. This is your 2020 Great Lakes Traditional Sprint Champion, Michael Adja. This is Tyler Roark. This is David Melke. This is Travis Stemler. Bobby Santos. Tom Beery. Bill Muskert, Travis Brady. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings live, not really, but still from the famed Nashville Fairground Speedway. Kind of felt like I was doing Saturday Night Live there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, Zach, we got uh, this is a weekend of a first for us. Uh, yeah. No social distancing studios this week for Horsepower Happenings. No, sir. Uh, made it down to Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> had a great weekend and a couple of firsts that we're gonna talk about later as well. Let's get into the show from Nashville Fairground Speedway, starting with the is it the Music City Minute now? I think it is. Yes, that's what we'll call it. Five-time USAC Silver Crown Series champion Cody Swanson will join Duran Racing for the asphalt portion of the USAC Silver Crown schedule in 2021. Chase Elliott will race for a NASCAR Cup Series championship at Phoenix Raceway after winning at Martinsville. Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Denny Hamlin will join him in the Final Four. And speaking of NASCAR, Kyle Larson is going to return to the Cup Series in 2021 behind the wheel of the Rick Hendrick-owned number five. And I want to park it right there and introduce uh, somebody who's going to be joining us tonight uh, or today or this morning or whenever you're listening to the show. Um, our good friend Brian Osborne from Merritt Speedway joining us. Brian, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so Brian's going to join us on the uh, on the show today because we... Well, we, we popped the cherry for Brian on pavement racing, and uh, we got him to the Winchester 400 a couple of weeks ago, and now we got the All-American 400. But uh, before we get into that, fellas, I want to talk about uh, Kyle Larson here for just a moment and Rick Hendrick. Are we surprised at all that, that Kyle is back in uh, to the Cup Series? I don't – you know, we talked about this, Zach, when everything went down. Um, you knew this wasn't going to stay. There, there was no way in the world that you were never going to see Kyle Larson back in – professional stock car it wasn't going to happen it just had to be the right time and enough time had to pass right and kyle larson had to do what he had to do to make that happen and it just happened to be sooner probably than most people expected did you ever believe you see him in the cup series again um i, I don't i actually didn't uh not uh not right away but i think you know maybe over time it like rich said as time went on it's like, how can you let a driver with that much talent stay out? And you know, he he apologized and everything. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, so I'm I'm now I'm not surprised, but I guess when it first happened, just because of uh, you know stuff in the in the world today, you just I, right. I always thought there was a pretty good chance he might not be back. But mm -hmm. you know, uh, Michael McIntyre, a good friend of ours uh, who we've had on the show, he made a very good point and said Rick Hendrick is known for taking a risk on guys who are are rough around the edges or don't fit don't fit a mold um 
And and I think that a lot of folks are not really surprised that Rick Hendrick picked him up and put him in that number five car. Started years ago with Tim Richmond when he exactly. played there, and and Tim Richmond did not fit the mold uh, back then. But I, I don't think anybody back, you know, back in the '80s fit the mold of what NASCAR is today. Right. <laughs> I right. mean, it was that was a different world back then. Well, um, there was not back in the '80s. There was not political correctness. There was not all these rules that in your contract that you have to live by. There wasn't any of that. Yeah. So uh, these days, I think it's a you know. Rick Hendrick is really sticking his neck out for Kyle Larson, I think. Mm. And I don't think Kyle Larson is going to make the same mistake twice. He's a, he's a smart young man. The biggest question is who's going to sponsor Kyle Larson right now? I think, right? That's the tough question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who are you going to bring on? Yeah, I don't. Um, I guess they haven't announced the sponsors on the cars yet, right? Right. Uh, but they got, they got the big part out of the way. Yeah. NASCAR approved him to come back, and he signed for a ride. Now let's work on the money side of it. And the World of Outlaws was quick to forgive, uh, to get him to drive again, right? Kyle went through the course. Like you said, he, he did what he had to do. He apologized. He went through the course. And he was behind the wheel of a sprint car in quick time. I think there are going to be companies that are going to work the same way and say, you know what? He apologized. He's made a change. We'll sponsor him. So let's get into the show a little bit now. Uh, we start off with a sad note, Rich, from Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Track founder Russ Densmore passed away on Thursday. Of course, he was uh, known for being the mind behind Michigan Ideal Speedway, which is now known as Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. Um, one of the great racetracks that's kind of just plucked down in the middle of nowhere. And uh, while well, our condolences and prayers to the family of Russ Densmore. Let's... I want to talk about this real quick. We had a, a show last week with Ryan Lanfeard, and uh, we did a little pro late model discussion, Rich. And for the first time in the history of the program, I got calls <laughs> after our show. Hey, is this Horsepower Happenings? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you what I think. Man, we stirred the pot and we had to lick the spoon. Um, there are a lot of people that are excited about this, and then there are a lot of people who want want to be real about it and one of those people was Dona Marcoulier and he said look this is only going to be about a 12 to 15 car division between basically Thunderbird and, and Winston um, don't basically he was saying don't get it twisted this isn't here to get rid of super late models this is exactly what we said this is a low budget way <clears throat> to get some of those back markers off of the track of the super late models and give them a place to run exactly and you know we were talking about this and, and brian can can comment on this being at merit every single week there's a couple of guys in the back of that late model feature every week that probably shouldn't be there this is a great opportunity for them because now they can they have a they have a late model uh they put one of those crate motors in it, and they those guys can probably run up front, which they haven't done in a long time. Yeah, it could really, really help them out. I mean, you're right. I mean, I, although, I mean, the news has come out. My boss, uh, Mike Blackmerritt, he says we're going to forego it for the uh, 2021, so maybe we'll – 2021 season, so he said – the door could be open for 2022, but you're absolutely right. There are guys in the back end of the field. It could definitely help. The I guess the question is – now how far do they have to travel if no we have no plans to do it at Merritt or Tri-City where, I mean, it just is travel feasible for these guys? See, my, my whole point that, we, that Zach and I had discussed last week was you're not going to lose a whole late model. You're not going to get rid of the, the late models. They're not going away, not in Michigan. There's no, they're too popular. Yeah. You have some guys in the back end of the field that can resurrect a racing career and, and have some fun and not just be a lap car 
and run a back marker. The other thing is, I have no interest in going to a dirt track to watch a seven-car feature field for a pro truck, pro stock, or street stock. That That's not a show for me. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think they can help that out by having this class, and, and they can bump those cars up to the next class. And now you have a, from what I heard, they already have about 15, 16 guys that are already committed to that crate late model class. Yeah, and I think they'll get some more, too, once they finalize some rules. So that's going to be pretty cool. And and, and t- to your point and to Mike Blackmere's point, um, if it goes well, maybe we see it across the state. Uh, but there are a lot of people that are pretty nervous about it. Here's a, a fun fact for the show today. NASCAR Hall of Fame driver and two-time Daytona 500 winner Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been announced uh, as the executive director for iRacing.com Motorsport Simulations. Rich, your thoughts? Oh, boy. Um, he, he's sure getting into some business dealings after he, he gets out of the... You know, he's having some fun. Let him do what he wants yeah. to do. You know, he's got a he's got a podcast that's getting more oh, popularity. Mm-hmm. You know, having some fun with that. Um, let him do what he wants to do. You know, I think he, it's he great. Does, I think it's great because he's been an ambassador for iRacing for a very long time publicly. And, well, and he's also an ambassador for the very racetrack that we're doing the show from, uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway. I think that he kind of helped get those two people together, got Nashville on the simulation, and, um, you know, uh, uh, great. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's wonderful to have a high-level race car driver being behind this simulation experience. That's pretty cool. All right, we opened the show, and we said that we're here at Nashville, Rich. Let's get into it. All-American 400, the 36th running of the All-American 400, kicked off yesterday. Man, did we have some fun this weekend or what? what? Three days worth of racing. Um, we still can't get Brian Osborne used to the, how much practice we get here <laughs> on a pavement. I think he's had enough of that because at, at the uh, on the dirt tracks, they get like one or two laps. And then, right, and then they, it's race time. And, and it's race time. But, uh, I, I, Brian, we had to get through uh, – Four hours of practice the other day. How did you not uh, pop yourself in the head? <laughs> oh, well, thankfully, I was able to bring my laptop. So yeah. That, that kind of helped. Um, to be for the record, I, I think I do walk out of this weekend understanding a little more of the psychology uh, or the strategy behind uh, behind all the practice. Uh, the just talking to uh, uh, the, the general manager, Scott Menlin, here at Nashville Fairground Speedway this morning about just the the – time differentials are so much closer on the pavement Uh, and you have that tire wear and there's also the pit strategies that come into it that i've seen now firsthand at winchester and uh now at the all-american 400 so it's been a learning experience well over uh guys over the last two seasons uh steven nassi has earned himself a gladiator sword a rifle uh by winning marquee races and on sunday afternoon he added the nashville guitar to his collection in the pro late model portion of the all-american 400 the florida driver dominated the start of the 100 lap event but several cautions and a flurry of challengers kept him honest in the second half of the race uh after uh, main challenger Derek thorne dropped out and several others flip-flop positions behind nassie he was left to hold off 2018 track champion Michael House in the final laps, and I tracked down Michael to debrief his runner-up finish. Not a bad day in the top five all day, and uh, you end up coming home second because uh, of a late caution. Car looked pretty good all day long. Yeah, we, you know, we we fell back on the start, and then you know we um, we fell back on the start. Car was getting loose, and I knew if I kept going at the pace I was going, I was going to burn the right rear up. So I just I slowed my pace down. And I just felt like they, they kind of come back to me. And then I started running a little harder. We had a red flag, and then I started running 
uh, harder after that. I was able to because the car tightened up, and it felt like the um, it felt like the stagger closed up or something in the rear. But it was able. I was able to run the car. Tar- car was getting up off the corner a lot, lot straighter and uh, lower. And uh, I started picking them off, and it, it felt good. Uh, this race, man, it's in memory of uh, Jonathan Jim Brown's daughter. They're the car owner's daughter. They uh, lost their daughter uh, in a car wreck. And, uh, man, uh, this is for them, friends and family. And uh, i just like to thank uh, them, U.S. Tank, uh, Willie Allen, all their guys, uh, Warshocks like to thank all of them for all they do for me and without them and my guys combined i couldn't do this i gotta ask you in lap 93 the 29 and the 43 get together on the restart you find yourself on the front row next to the 51 did you think you had a shot and did you have enough for them i knew it was tough i didn't know it seemed like every time we had a caution my car would get a little better a little better a little better so I didn't know. I, I knew they was awful strong, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm a br- bridesmaids two years in a row. Finished second to Bubba last year. Finished second to Steven this year. But it could be a lot worse. We totaled the car out this year here off turn two, and uh, you know, had a couple bad wrecks. And uh, last race, and we won. We we worked our way up through there, but. We showed we passed cars, showed we had speed this race, and it it felt really good. Well, it could be a lot worse than a couple of seconds. Awesome runner-up finish. Thank you, sir. And Zach Dillon Fecho brought his number 89 machine home third and wrapped up a pro late model track championship here at Nashville Fairground Speedway in the process. And I caught up with Dillon to get his thoughts. Well, we caught up with your third-place finisher who was racing a race within a race this afternoon in Nashville Fairground Speedway in the All-American 100. And uh, you bring it home third. First of all, talk about your afternoon. Yeah, it was good. Uh, the car was pretty good on the long runs. So it was definitely faster than Cole, I think, so we, we pulled away from him. That, that was our main goal for sure. Um, we needed a little bit more to win the race, but we ended up third. And the race within a race that we were talking about, you did pick up the championship here at Nashville Fairground Speedway uh, that you were in a battle with Cole Williams. Uh, looking back on it, man, you guys were competitive with each other all season long. I mean, there was never a gap between you guys, and it just came down to a few points. Yeah, it was before the race, we, only, we were only one point behind him, so just just to finish one position ahead of him would have locked it in for us. Tell me, now you can look back on the season a little bit. Uh, man, you got a couple championships here, right, in the Legend car and, and in, in the Pro Late model. That's got to be tough to do. Yeah, for sure. This place is it's so historical. So, you know, every, everybody wants to win here. Everybody wants to win a championship here, so... It's definitely a good feeling. Well, congratulations on your championship, and congratulations on a nice third-place run. Thank you. Thank you. And Sunday's Pro Late Model Triumph marked Nassie's first win at the historic uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway, earning a trophy that's uh, been long on his bucket list, and uh, we'll talk about that and a little bit more with Steven later in the show. You know, we, we were ta- well. I want to stop there. I want to say that uh, Brian, I want to get your thoughts because uh, I know you've said to me, you said I like the Jag CRA All Stars Tour. You've seen them back home in Michigan. Um, <clears throat> your thoughts breaking down 100 laps from uh, Nashville yesterday. What was what was your thoughts? Well, it was pretty. I would say pretty typical for a Jag CRA race. A lot of uh, a lot of action, especially in the. I think it was in the first half of the race, than than the latter half. But mm-hmm. they do have some long green flag runs. It's you know, like say coming from dirt, 100 lap. That's that's our big one. That's our <laughs> that's the big that's one. That's when you're running for huge money. There is 100 yeah. laps, and and uh, it 
I still, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, thought it was a good, just overall event. They, they, the action's good, and hard racing all the way through. And I spent the afternoon down in the pit area uh, for both events. Stayed down there. Yeah. And you guys, I have to tell you, I looked up at the grandstands with the limited amount of tickets that were able to be sold. Yeah. Uh, here at Nashville Fairground Speedway, everybody that was able to come out came out. Yeah. It was a great crowd. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the photos. You, this was great social distance. It was the perfect amount. There's so much seating here at Nashville yeah. that you can really spread out. You can have a couple thousand people and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. I think that the seating here is 15,000, if I'm not mistaken. So the, the grandstands are massive. Um, so, yeah, they can put a lot of people in there. 300 laps was the distance to crown an All-American 400 champion yesterday, Rich. And what a race we saw. Oh, man, Zach. One year ago, uh, Casey Roderick played a major role in the finish at the All-American 400. However, it uh, wasn't the role he wanted to play as a lapped car. On Sunday afternoon, Roderick got his redemption, so to speak, and claimed the super late model crown jewel. Victory at the National Fairground Speedway. Uh, Roderick uh, took advantage when Derek Thorne, who had really dominated much of the 300-lap event, and, and I think everybody thought that he was going to, the way he was running, he was just going to make this thing a, a joke at, for, for quite a long time. Um Got into contact with Carson Hosevar uh, on lap 205. Uh, Hosevar uh, coming down the main straightaway, made contact with Thorne, battling for the lead, uh, ending both of their afternoons. So uh, that put two of the top top uh, teams that were here uh, down in the pit area. Roderick drove around the outside uh, of the 26 machine of Chandler Smith with 24 laps remaining and pulled away to score a victory that has eluded him in recent years. And uh, – Chandler Smith had a very solid run as well, and I caught up with Chandler after the event. Man, you uh, this race was ebb and flow for you. Uh, you had a good car for a while, kind of went away, and then. Uh, but the story of this race was the last 100 laps on the, uh, after the last tire change. Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty bummed, considering who I lost to and what circumstances were last year. There's somebody else that was going to be beat to. It wasn't him, but uh, good job to them. I uh, appreciate the Wilson Motorsports team. They gave me a heck of a piece today. Just uh, was too tight there at the end, and then all day I was fighting not enough bite. So uh, we got it to where we needed for the bite, and then we were too snug there at the end. But uh, salvaged a second-place finish, so I'm happy with it, and it's going on in one piece. I know last restart you did get by him, but Casey Roderick got back by you a lap later. Uh, was there anything you could have done any different to hold him off? Uh, no, not really, unless you could have wrecked him by me. That ain't me. I mean, I got into his door a little bit. It wasn't enough, and drove away from me so i mean it is what it is we'll just get them at the derby nice runner up finish thank you and zach uh steven nassie would complete the podium finish but coming up in just a few minutes uh we'll be the first one to get a chance to talk to on this monday morning uh, to casey roderick about his huge win yesterday yeah we got casey just coming up here in just a moment uh again uh, early morning special <laughs> to uh, talk to him but um i want to park it on the carson hosevar and the uh, Derek thorne thing because Carson, obviously, being from Michigan, um, we were kind of following him. And I think a lot of us believed he would have been the guy to beat this weekend, even not seeing times, just because of his success that he's had this year. And he showed up yesterday. He qualified on the outside pole on Saturday, was ready to go for Sunday, and his car looked good. He fell back to about fifth, kind of rode there, then all of a sudden decided to take the second groove, took a two-for-one deal on, on that, and was up to second reeling in Thorn before a caution flag comes out that sets up this massive restart where chaos ensues. 
And you were down there. What did you see from the front stretch, Rich? You know, Carson, the last couple pit stops, uh, you know, Butch Van Dorn, who who is very, very good, and set, and, and that is the crew chief that Carson drives for on the 71 machine at Van Dorn Racing and Development. Um, he was working with Greg Van Alsen, the 35 machine. He went out, as soon as he went out of the race, uh, Butch Van Dorn made the one pit stall hop over to Carson Hosovar, <laughs> and they made a couple pit stops and made that car so much better. And on that restart, uh, I think he was better than Derek Thorne. They're coming down the front stretch. Carson gets to the high side, has a peak up there, and, and gets to the right rear. And Derek Thorne starts moving up the racetrack. And, you know, there was word that Carson, he had done it before, and Carson said, if he does it again, I'm not lifting. And he sure didn't. He, yeah. They made they went all the way to turn one. Yeah, they they, they were going to go somewhere because mm-hmm. there, nobody was on the brakes. and. Right. Um, unfortunately, it, it was enough damage to take both of them out. Yeah, so Derek spins right to backside into the turn one wall and uh, kind of ripped the nose piece off of Carson's car along the way, folded it up, if you will. I don't know, was there mechanical damage under the hood? Is that why they called it? I didn't see any fluid. No, but, you know, the, Butch went over and looked at the car and immediately just shook his head and said, get out. So okay. they could not have competed with as much damage was on that nose. It was all shoved up into the radiator and into the ductwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they could have kept that car cool okay. with as much nose damage as there was. So that would have been a problem. All right. Yeah, he could have limped it around for 150 laps, but that's not why Carson Hosevar goes to these crown jewel events he goes to win them which he's done a lot of this summer well and so here's the thing do you think that carson i mean to me hands down carson and Derek were the were the two to beat uh you know obviously uh, i think you have to kind of throw casey in there because he was right there in the top three uh you know chandler was there all day too but Derek broke away carson was riding but man brian you and i saw it uh and, and we kind of made the made the the catfish thing, right? The the he's reeling them in because he went to the outside, Brian, and you and I looked at each other and went, "Here he comes." Yeah, because he, he had been running what was it fourth, I think, for the most of the event. Yeah, and I just thought it he he was just sitting there, and I thought, well, maybe that's as best he's going to do. But then, yeah, he made the pass to get up uh, to battle for the for the lead, and it was, um, it, yeah, like you said, it was or he was. Working his way up to the lead, and yeah. it was like got said, a competition caution and bunched the field back bunched together. Bunched the field, yeah, and he was he was reeling him in, but yeah, mm. off that. that do you do, do you think the two best cars wrecked themselves out? Um, I I do. I didn't. You know, Derek Thorne wasn't getting worse. Carson Hosevar was getting better, which is exactly what we we you know, saw happen at Winchester. Carson came out strong. Stephen Nassie made him look silly, and they worked on that car with with Butch. And made him better about the same time of the race, about the halfway point. I was down there. I spent uh, quite a bit of the first part of the race down in the host of our pit. And uh, he was fighting tight the first part of the race. So they said, we got to get him down here. we got to get him freed up, and he'll be just fine. And um, so the only thing he was blocking from, he didn't want to run the car too hard because when you're tight, you burn the right front. What right. happens when you burn the right front? You end up pacing it in the wall. And they're already so important here at Nashville. Yeah, right front's very important here at the – in Nashville as much as the right rear. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Carson had to sit there and he lost a couple spots, but he was being smart. And then he, he was waiting for the chance to bring it down pit road, have his crew do the right thing. And boy, after a couple pit stops, he was right there with Derek Thorne. 
Go ahead. It was interesting, too, to see Carson just uh, – I haven't followed him as much, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Rich and I were talking on, what was it, Friday, about how he, he was in pr- all those practice sessions. He was having trouble turning anything faster than 20 seconds. And then he goes out there and qualifies yeah. so well and then was very competitive throughout the race. Well, and, and also, too, Carson didn't get a whole lot of – that. he tested the week before and didn't get a whole lot of practice time because of being at Martinsville – in the truck, uh, Kyle Crump actually tested the car, and I talked to the team, and they said, we're just making sure everything's tight. Kyle's not – he's not out here to, you know, burn the place down. Um, and then, so, yeah, uh, Saturday, practice, like you said, eh, not the top of the board. And he told you – what did he tell you yeah. before his qualifying run? Yeah, I caught up, I caught up with Carson um, after practice was over, and they were going through the tech line before they went to qualifying. And I said, um, you got a shot at the pole? He goes, no way. No way. He goes, we don't have a pole car. He says, our car is set up right now where we can run almost the same time, lap after lap after lap, where everybody else falls off. Mm-hmm. He goes, um, I'm not worried about a pole. I don't think we have the car to even get to the front row. And lo and behold, he goes out with an early run. Yeah. When Before it, start, it started getting cool. And the time started picking up. Run. Yeah. yeah. And um, he went out early. And then, boy, Cody Connor got him late, but uh, that that time stood up all all round for the qualifying all afternoon. Yeah. So uh, we were very surprised. I thought he's going to get this thing, and he's got a way better card than he think he does. Thinks he does. All right, Rich. It's time to move on to our first interview. This is so awesome for us to uh, again, as we said, be here still at Nashville at Fairground Speedway. And talking to the guy who is now an All-American 400 champ. Introduce us to our next guest. Yeah, pretty emotional day for this gentleman yesterday. Uh, makes his uh, home in Lawrenceville, Georgia, 28 years old. And like you said, Zach, he picked up his first All-American 400 win last night. Casey Roderick, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Well, I appreciate you guys having me this morning. Man, Casey, uh, it's been less than 24 hours now. Um, man, your head's got to be still in the clouds. I, it, it truly hasn't set in yet, to be honest. I, I keep keep thinking it's a dream of being so close to so many of these these big wins, and uh, you know, we finally we finally pulled one off, mistake free, and and uh, yeah, it just feels so good to to be able to pull something off like this. Uh, you know, just the the fashion we did it in. You know, not not having a lot of help to start with, and um, you know, I gotta give give a hat off to, to all my guys that have stuck with me throughout the years and supported me on, on every move I've made. Um, you know, it means a lot to have people behind you like that. And, and, uh, yeah, it's a team sport, so I can't do it alone. And I just appreciate everyone that's been involved with, with, uh, you know, support me on, on my decision to do, do my own deal and, and, um, you know, be there for me at the races. Yeah, you've gone through a lot in the last few years uh, as you talk about doing your own thing. Um, you know, won a lot of races before. Is that where the emotion on the main straightaway came out last night, where this was your deal and, and you did this yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a lot that's built, built up, you know, just how my career's gone and, you know, just how hard I've, I've worked to, to get to this point. And, um you know, I, I don't I don't come from money, and and it's been a struggle to to you know get to the racetrack each every, each and every week. And you know, I've I've had some rides where, where we raced a lot, and and um, 
you know i've also gone through a few years of not racing a lot at all so uh it's just been an up and down career for me and um you know i think i've i've got the talent to to go further in my career it's just you know the financial part of it isn't with me and and um it just makes it extremely tough to you know to make it to the track every week and i just uh it just feels so good to to be able to pull something off like this at nashville and um you know, compete against the, the guys that do run every week now. And, and um, I, like I said, I don't know what to say. Man. I'm, <laughs> I'm at a loss of words yeah. you well, know, with what happened yesterday and, and uh, just so thankful. Casey, let's talk about the race a little bit. Um, you know, 300 laps, uh, which is 100 laps shorter than most would like to see with the All-American 400, but we, uh, we'll talk about that at another time. Um, this race was very interesting, Casey, from the start, the first 100 laps or so, kind of a little bit of a wreck fest, uh, some, some cautions along the way. But you and Thorne, I thought from the very beginning, were the class of the field. You, you both separated yourself. Uh, from the rest of the field early, and you both looked very strong. And then, of course, Carson Hosovar, his car kind of came to life. Then that incident happened on the front stretch. Was it at what point did you knew, know that you had a real shot to win? Was it even early in the race, or was it after those two got collected? No, I, I knew I had a shot to win even when Thorne was pulling away from me and had that five or six second lead at one time. I, I was just. I knew what I needed to get in my car, and, and it just took a couple pit stops to get it in it, um, you know, with with some changes we made. And uh, I was just lacking that little bit of grip on the throttle, you know, keeping the car underneath me, uh, you know, more to where I could I could hang with him and not, not hurt my right side tires and slide them. So uh, he, he had, you know, a really good bite early on, and, and it took me to the end of the race to get mine like that. And, and um I really think I could have, I could have, you know, done something with him, you know, at the end if if he was still running. And I, and like I said, I, I don't like, you know, winning races. I'll win them any way I can, but <laughs> I want, I want the best of the best in there, and and uh, I don't, I don't want to see people get, get taken out like that. And and because um, he he had a really good race car yesterday, and and uh, like I said, I hate to see that for for him and. He's had a lot of good runs over the years, and he just one of these days he'll he'll pull one off. And um, but uh, I'm I'm very thankful for for how it ended up, and and uh, you know I I had a lot of fun yesterday. That was a fun race. Talk to me about uh, so those two those two crash in the front stretch. Right, we have a restart. Uh, Corey uh, Corey Heim comes out of nowhere. Uh, in my opinion, I, I I one thought I thought he was still lapped down from his earlier pit stop, and all of a sudden he lined up on the outside pole for the restart, and and he kind of jumped out on you a little bit too, and then attrition fell your way again. Do you, as a race car driver, and this is maybe not specifically about the All American Four Hundred, but do you start looking around at all the attrition going on around you and go, my goodness, <laughs> I hope this thing stays together? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And you know, I had uh, on that long green run we had. I I was on right side tires for a long time, and I was starting to get a little bit of vibration. And um, you know, I was I was really getting worried. I had a tire, you know, going out on me, and, and it was really really close to 
to be in a bad situation when we took it off. So the right rear starting to chunk out a little bit. And, uh, so we, we dodged a bullet there and, and, uh, you know, like I said, we're just very thankful everything worked out the way it did. And, you know, we, we missed Thorn and, and, uh, as far going into one, I, I didn't really see them get together. I just saw a bunch of, bunch of smoke i had in front of me so i couldn't really see what happened i just seen a bunch of smoke and spotter said inside inside you know go inside or stay to the inside and uh so i just i held my held my line and just hope for the best when i went through the smoke but uh you know we we dodged one there and and um you know like i said the 78 he did come out of nowhere on that on that deal uh, when we went back green, he was pretty good there for a few laps. But uh, over time, I knew my car would come to me, and and it did. So I found the I found the high side there too. Uh, you know, we've been running the bottom the whole race, and I think everybody was running down there so much, it started losing a little grip down there. So I I moved up and and found some grip up top, and that's kind of where I stayed the rest of the race. You know, Casey, what was uh, kind of what showed me what you had. Yeah, you were running the top five, and, and, and the car looked good. But I think it was about 50 to go. Chandler Smith gets by you on a restart, and you weren't having any of that. One lap later, you just power back around him. Um, that showed me you had the car you wanted. That's right. And, uh, you know, I I made a mistake going into turn one on that restart. He got around me on, and, and um, I – I tried to enter too hard to, to try to stay on the outside of him and not let him get too far up beside me. And I, I got really free in and washed up the racetrack. And I actually got in the marbles, and I, I thought I was going to, you know, be in real trouble there. But uh, I got it back down and, and uh, was able to power off turn two and stay behind him. So I knew if I could just calm down and just let things play out, it, it would come back to me. And, and um we get back around them. We get inside 20 laps to go, and um, it's almost like you kicked it into another gear. You just started driving away from everybody else. Is is that a good thing, or is that when you have all the time in the world to hear everything that's going on in that race car? Well, and that's what I was about to say. It's it's a lot of time to sit there and think about what can go wrong, or you start feeling something in the car that you think, might be going wrong or or whatnot and i definitely had those thoughts last night i actually threw out the whole race because i struggled you know the the first couple races with this car you know getting it to stay together i mean everything's brand new and and had the the rear end issue that first race i feel like we still won that one but um you know things happen and uh you just gotta you gotta keep moving forward and power through all the all the issues and that's that's what we've been able to do but yeah I, I was just sitting there you know you could see the scoreboard going down the back straightaway when you come off turn two mm-hmm. and for the like, last 30 40 laps i couldn't even look at it i, I just <laughs> but that was the longest 40 laps i think i've ever been through <laughs> you, you know uh, speed 51 uh, wrote an article about last night's all-american and and they bring up last year's All American 400 and and what happened with you, um, and and obviously you know the, the lamp car and, and the incident and everything. Um, I guess I just want to you know, I want to ask you personally, how how happy are you 
to now know that All-American 400 and Casey Roderick doesn't mean what it meant last year. It now means champion of one of the greatest uh, races in the in the country. That, that's right. I mean, I I was here and, and to be able to back up, you know, what what should have happened last year, I feel like I've been able to do this year. And uh, so we, we can erase the, the bad memories from mm-hmm. last year. And, and uh, you know, I, I've called the people that are affected and, and apologized last year, you know, a couple of days after the race. Right. Kind of let things cool off a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's just in the heat of the moment. Uh, I was frustrated. I was, I was irritated at what happened during the race. And, uh, you know, I guess I let my frustration get to me. And, and uh, you know, I should have got out of the way the last lap when the white flag flew. But uh, I kept pressing forward and, you know, passed two or three cars in the last lap or two, including the leader. And, you know, I, you know and I, I, I wouldn't want that to happen to me. And uh, so it, to erase that memory of last year with, with a big win this year, I, I'm definitely grateful for that. Well, Casey, uh, you know, looking up at what you've been doing, you've been running some big stuff. You've run some big stuff before. Um, you know, what's going on with your career right now? Obviously, there's a pretty big gap. I think most of us now are looking forward, as far as pavement late model racing goes, to the uh, Snowball Derby coming up in December. Um, but what else is going on with you? What sort of things are you looking to get behind the wheel of, and, and where do you see your career going here? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure as far as, you know, Anything further than, than late models right now, um, you know, I, I, I was working on something to, to run a couple of truck races this year, and, um, you know, I kind of fell through last minute. I was going to run Michigan and and, um, and possibly Dover uh, back in August, and uh, all that kind of fell through there, you know, right before the Michigan race, and uh, but as far as that goes, I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I would love to be able to do more of that and, and, uh, you know, show people what I can do in, in NASCAR, you know, the top three elite teams. I feel like I could do well if, if the right opportunity came up and, um, uh, maybe, maybe one day it'll happen. Uh, I'm getting older now, so I don't know how they look at that, but I think age is just a number. Um, uh, you know, Everyone deserves a chance or something, and and I, I've done that stuff before, but um, it just wasn't the right opportunity for me to uh, to succeed. So I, uh, I I'd be I'd be glad to to find something though. So obviously, this uh, All American Four Hundred win gives you a nice head of steam. Assuming you are going to the Snowball Derby, correct? Yes, sir. I am. Um, it, it's got to give you a lot of confidence going in there because if you think you saw a, a solid field here at the All American 400, wait till you get to Pensacola, which everybody knows that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's definitely, uh, definitely the race to go to, um, and, and it's got the best atmosphere out of all the races. You know, I, I love Derby Week. I'm looking forward to getting down in there and. Uh, You'll see what we got. Well, Casey, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate you making time for us. And, uh, you know, congratulations, man, on an All-American 400 win. Uh, You got the guitar. You're putting it in the trophy case, man, and no one can take it away from you. So nice job. 
That's right. That's right. I think uh, I think that's number ten or eleven. It might be eleven. Uh, I have to I have to go back and count them all up and uh, see what I got. But uh, over the last I don't know, I guess three or four years, that's that's ten or eleven wins in Nashville. So that's pretty uh, pretty cool, man. I, I really enjoy getting those guitars. Absolutely, Casey. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, man. Have a great week, and we'll look for you at Snowball. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right. Now, moving on to the guy who picked up the 100-lap uh, win as part of the All-American 400 yesterday. Rich, introduce us to our next guest. Yeah, Zach, he picked up the uh, a big win in the All-American 100 for the Jake CRA All-Stars Tour uh, here at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. Backed it up with a third-place finish in the All-American 400, and if that isn't enough, He's your 2020 Southern Super Series champion. Stephen Nassie, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Now, uh, you know, we talked a little bit last night. Um, you had a big smile on your face. Looked like you had a lot of fun this weekend and really two really good race cars. Yeah, we did. You know, the weekend didn't start the way that we had hoped. Uh, we struggled in practice in the Super. The pro car had good speed all weekend. There weren't really worries there. Um, but with the super, we just struggled for drives. So we worked our best to try to, to try to find that all weekend. Couldn't really get it. And, um, you know, that showed in the race, but we were able to make some smart adjustments and put ourselves in position there to get a, a podium finish. Let's talk about the 100 on Saturday. Uh, you were rather patient at the beginning, uh, just kind of worked your way through. But once you got that machine out front, man, it was, uh, it was very noticeable. You were the car to beat. Yeah, you know, uh, Derek definitely had a good car as well. Uh, Thorne, you know, I thought he was going to give me uh, a good run for the money. But, um, you know, he got into me a little bit, got the lead from me for, uh, you know, about a restart. And, uh, you know, by the time the next caution come around, we were able to get the lead back from him and pull away. Um, the car was, was really fast. Um, you know, there wasn't much that I could do wrong in there, and I was just doing everything I could just to not mess it up. Um, you know, we always seem to have pretty fast race cars in Nashville and something will happen. So it was good to at least have. Well, Stephen, you know, you talk about something usually happening and that's exactly what happened to you at the last crown jewel event, the Winchester 400, uh, good race cars, but something got in the way of you going to victory lane. You come to, you come to the all American 400, you come to Nashville having just picked up a win the weekend before running really good. And then come in here and you get that guitar, man. Um, how does how good does it have to feel for you now to have finally said, man, we finally put a couple of events together where we had strong race cars and we showed that we can pick up wins? Yeah, you know, it feels good. I think things have been going our way here lately. You know, we like you said, we have those things that have been keeping us from getting a couple of big wins. You know, uh, Winchester was a heartbreak. I felt like we had showed a lot of speed there, um, and to not come home with another rifle was definitely uh, pretty depressing. But to finally get a guitar that I've been searching for for years, you know, even though it's a pro late model race, uh, it feels really good. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, is there... And you can be honest with us here. What's the difference for you? I mean, as a pro late model guitar, that that probably doesn't have as much behind it as as picking up that All American 400 guitar would have had. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, definitely right. You know, um, it's just it's just you know I know you know the person that that sees the trophy it may not be into racing or may not know 
they're not going to be able to tell the difference in the two guitars. You know, they look very similar. It's just going to be the writing on them. That's a little bit different. Uh, to me, it's just, you know, I know what it is, and I know that it's the pro race and that, uh, you know, Roderick took home the big one this year. Um, and that eats me up a little bit. You know, I, I want the super late model win. Uh, don't get me wrong. It doesn't take away from the pro race whatsoever. It's still a good one. It's still a great accomplishment. It's just to me, uh, you know, I want the big one. And, uh, you know, the super late models, the top series, uh, the fastest cars and the best drivers. And, uh, you know, I feel like I, uh, I missed out and just missed it a little bit. Um, but you know what? There's always next year. Now, let's talk about your All-American 400. You know, we just uh, we just talked to Casey. We had him on the show just a few minutes ago. And, um, you know, that race really turned around in the last 100 laps. A uh, little bit of attrition from some some guys that really had a chance to win that race. Uh, did that, did, did that kind of get in your head a little bit? Uh, like, oh, my gosh, I hope this thing stays together. Because, you know, Thorne, Hosovar... Uh, Corey Heim all had problems late in that race. Yeah, of course. Um, but at the same time, that's, that was my game plan. And that's what I was hoping for. You know, I knew that we weren't going to win that race off of raw speed. You know, as I said before, we were struggling in practice all weekend, um, struggled in qualifying. And, and we were just really honestly struggling in the race. Um, it's not from a lack of effort from my guys. It just was one of those weekends. And, um, you know, to, to, to have to race that way is frustrating. You know, I would rather be able to pass the, all these cars straight up, you know, just over being better than them. But uh, this weekend just wasn't the case. And unfortunately, you know, most races that you are the best in and you're going to dominate and you should win, something ends up happening to you. It doesn't really work out all the time. And I knew that, you know, so I was just hoping that would end up happening to them and I could get some spots, you know, that way and some carnage. Um, and then get racy at the end, and that's what happened. The last restart, I think you restarted third. Uh, did that kind of get you up on the wheel a little bit and think, man, we might be able to pull this thing out? Of course. You know, the the uh, the whole race, I was telling the guys that we had a shot. Um, we just needed the right adjustment. Um, I just didn't, I, it, you know, probably back flash, flashbacks to Pensacola when I was behind uh those two cars raced into the wind there, Finch and uh, the 14. Um, I, I tried to drive it in there and stay with them, but those guys were driving so hard as well that you can only go in the corner so deep, you know, and I, I'm not going in there to wreck those guys. So I was hoping that, that Chandler would uh, would run Roderick up and I would be able to maybe slip in there. But, um, you know, it just didn't work out that way. And like I was saying, we, we were just one adjustment away from being able to be really good to be in contention. Steven, let's talk about what else you were able to do. Uh, you know, you won the pro late model race. You had a really good showing in the All-American 400 in the 300-lap race. But you also collected a championship yesterday. Um, talk to me about that. Tell me how you're feeling day after knowing now that you're a series champion and, and uh, that you were able to put it all together and, and take home a title. It's always nice picking up a championship, you know, and that's the second Southern Super Series championship for us. Um, so that's really sweet. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, at the end of the day, though, I, just, I wasn't going for a championship run, even though not to take away from the championship at all. I'm still bummed out today that I didn't win the race. You know, um, championships are nice and everything. And yes, I get a guaranteed starting spot in the Derby, which, um, you know, I've needed the last few years. So that'll be nice. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, 
winning the championship isn't overweighing, you know, the, the thought of losing the race uh, at the moment. You know, I really would have loved to bring home two guitars. That would have been something really special. Um, and we just missed it by a little bit, and that's tough to swallow. You, you mentioned the Snowball Derby. That's kind of the next thing, as we said, uh, on everybody's radar. Um, and, and I don't think that anybody has forgot about what happened last year. Um, so let me be the first to ask, are you looking forward to going back down there and, and, and proving again that you can win that race? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's not going to be that easy. And as much as I've, you know, gone and said, um, you know, that we're going to go back and do it again this year and bring home the trophy, uh, as we're getting closer, you know, I just think about how hard that accomplishment is, you know, people run that race for decades and decades and, and you don't end up pulling off a win. And I, it took me almost a decade to be able to cross the line first. Um, so it's a tough, it's a tough deal, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think that, I think that five flags kind of owe us one, owes us one. And, you know, we have some good karma coming our way. So maybe we'll get uh, a little lucky that day and, and have a good car and, you know, do everything that we can do and, uh, you know, minimize the, the small things that will knock you out of a race and hopefully, you know, be there at the end and, and not let them take it away from us in the tech shed over something that's, you know, uh, just so, so minute to me, so small. What is it about these big races? You know, uh, you know, last year you picked up a Winchester 400 win. Um, what is it about these long races and why is it so, I mean, we know the technology is getting better and better on the on these cars every single year, but why is it just so hard to win these big races? Why is it so hard to what now? I'm sorry. Why is it so hard to win these three, three, 400, 300 lap races? I mean, we know the technology is getting better. Uh, reliability kind of goes down on these cars, um, and then obviously the talent level. I think all of that together maybe just you really got to relish when you can get one of these big wins, huh? A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's so hard and it's just, uh, it's something that it's something that's really not in your control. It's so lucky to be able to make it through, you know, like the first 350 laps of a 400 lap event, you know, I can think of so many small things that just weren't even in my control that knocked me out of these uh, races. You know, I've been around for a long time and, you know, Winchester has just started being good to me, but I mean, I would end up getting wrecked there over, over something that wasn't even my fault. It's kind of wrong, wrong place at the wrong time kind of deal. Um, and that's something that you can't control. So I feel like that's the biggest factor in the, in the 400 lap races, 300 lap races. You know, you, you can only control really what you can do, uh, in the car. You can't control what your car is going to do and you can't control what people are going to do around you. So it's, uh, it makes it a little tough. You know, people who listen to Horsepower Happenings know this very well. Rich France is the pavement guru. Zach Heiser is the guy that likes to go and do the dirt track thing. And then, not very long ago, I read something about Stephen Nassie and dirt track racing, and I said to myself, the next time I get to talk to him, I've got to ask him about it. Um, Stephen, what's going on with you in the dirt world? What, what, is, what are you, are you thinking about throwing your hat in there a little bit heavier? What's, what's going on? Uh, you know, I've been trying. Uh, it's definitely something that's very new to me um but you know new things excite me and uh like i said i mean i've been racing for so long now and been doing asphalt late model racing for so long uh just been kind of looking for something a little bit new to excite me and a new challenge 
Um, and it's definitely been a challenge, that's for sure. You know, I haven't been setting the world on fire in that thing at all. But it's also hard for an asphalt guy uh, to transition to dirt with the uh, with the minimal amounts of practice that you get, and, you know, showing there on, up there on race day. And, you know, I just had so many things that have just made it hard on myself. Um, if I could get a, like a full day of practice or testing like, like the asphalt guys get, um, you know, that would help me tremendously. But, um, you know, unfortunately that's just not the case in the dirt world. And uh, I had to keep on picking and choosing and going to these races and, and learning uh, slowly, but surely. Um, and we've been getting some help here. You know, we got a new Longhorn chassis that, uh, that we just got put together. Um, you know, they have been great to us and, uh, you know, just trying to get my feet wet in a little bit and, you know, maybe see if it's something that I can be good at and, uh, you know, maybe be an asphalt super late model racer and a dirt super late model racer. So should we look for you in the world of outlaws or Lucas or late model dirt series anytime soon? Oh uh, uh, man, I would wait in a couple of years for that. <laughs> Well, I know at least another year, but I, I did a good year of some practice. You know, I got a lot of asphalt races stacked up, and, uh, you know, maybe once the derby gets done, I can do a little bit more practice. And, I mean, who knows? If I hit on something, yes. But, I mean, I think you guys know me well enough to where I go. I like to win, and if I can't win, I'm going to be pretty bummed out. So uh, you can only have so much fun out there to where you start getting competitive, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, I want to I wanna be competitive. You know, I got to ask you this. I have a lot of a lot of our friends of the program ask us, "Say, hey, next time you talk to Steve and ask him this." You know, twenty twenty started out. Um, you know, you you and Bubba kind of got your rivalry going down there at Speedfest. Uh, last week, you guys kind of put that thing to bed, and and you guys were really happy with how you each raced each other. Uh, is that thing gone now? Man, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that necessarily. Me and Bubba definitely didn't go sit down and have a beer after that. <laughs> but, um, you know, we uh, have respect for each other. I mean, that's it's. Uh, we know that we both will be racing each other a lot. Um, we both are fast, and uh, you know, if you just want to go up there and tear up stuff, I just we both know that's not smart. And you know, we we don't want to go to the racetrack to wreck. Uh, we want to go to race and win and and in close. Race. You know, it's a lot lot cheaper if we can, you know, race like that and, and, and come home with the, the cars in one piece. Um, now, if it gets down to the wire again and we're both really fast, you know, who knows what will happen. Uh, but that day in Pensacola, we raced clean. Um, that's not to say, though, that the next ones will be. It's just it's, it's a day-by-day deal. Well, we look forward to watching it race unfold. Race by race, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'll tell you this, Stephen, as a fan – uh, we look forward to it. It's what makes this sport great. And, uh, you know, if you guys can, can race each other respectfully and, well, up until you don't anymore, that's great for us. We, we love to talk about it. So uh, yeah. it's great for the sport, you know. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's what makes the, the sport exciting. And it's what the sport has lost a little bit, too. You know, um, the, the competition is just dwindling in, in every form of racing and to get cars like that that run up front to be so competitive and race for wins um it's you know not common um it's not as common as it used to be so uh that's what you know i know he's a racer and i'm a racer and we just want to put on a show for the fans and, and hopefully come out on top that day and if it gets a little rough then uh then so be it you know we we probably both enjoy that too 
to the extent, except for when it comes to paying the bills for the rough stuff. That's, <laughs> that can't be fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, Stephen, hey, man, congratulations on uh, picking up the All-American 100 win as part of the uh, 36th running of the All-American 400. Nice job on the Super Series Championship as well, and good luck as you get ready to head back to Pensacola, and uh, we'll see you down there for the Derby. Awesome. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for having me on. Uh, it was good seeing you yesterday, and uh, sorry about the, the service issues running through these mountains back home to Florida, but uh, hopefully, you know, after the Derby, we can uh, we can chat again. Sounds good, man. We'll get together. Sounds uh, like a good plan. We'll see you down there, Stephen. Take care. All right. All right, well, with Stephen Nassi, that's going to do it uh, for this week's show. Again, from Nashville Fairground Speedway, I want to thank the folks here at uh, NFS for finding a place for us to set up and do our show today uh, to get it on early. Hope you're enjoying. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining us, man. How was your All-American 400 weekend? Oh, it's fantastic. You want to go watch some practice? Uh, not today. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not for a little while. No, uh, it, it, great facility, as we've mentioned. They're doing a. They're. Uh, I mean, they're on the right track here. It's uh, one of the best pavement facilities. In my limited right. travels, but it's it's it stand out. I definitely hope to come back uh, pretty soon. I will say it is interesting, guys, how you get me on a show and number one. I work primarily in dirt tracks, but yet we're talking about... <laughs> we haven't talked about a dirt race. track all day. <laughs> yeah. And I live in Michigan, but yet we're talking in Tennessee. In Tennessee, yeah. The last time that we had an in-person show, Rich France, was uh, up in Michigan before COVID, and now it, we just had to come down to the Great South to get it done. Yeah, I mean, we, we had to go quite a ways, but, uh, you know, sometimes you have to get out. This is since the... Uh, I think this is maybe the second time maybe even the first since the pandemic that yeah. we've been together doing a show face to face in a room <laughs> right um and it's a pretty cool deal and and we all got to spend some time here at nashville they were they're great hosts here for yeah. us um it was just a great weekend i couldn't have asked for anything better well brian thanks for joining the show today uh glad you enjoyed the weekend and yeah we got to get you back to a dirt track man you're starting to change colors on me so <laughs> uh, well that's gonna do it uh no racing coming up really uh in our area until next year uh you and i though we're looking forward to snowball derby coming up which uh, the guys talked about a little bit today yep once we get once we get back home uh, later on this evening i'll start washing my snowball derby clothes and start putting them away because i'm ready to <laughs> i'm ready to go tomorrow to head down to pensacola so. yeah yeah definitely looking forward to that and we'll see those guys down there for sure well hey uh if you got something you want us to know about press hph at gmail.com you can send us some notes send us some tips if you got something that you think we should be aware of and of course be sure to log on to horsepowerhappenings.com for breaking news and the latest news on what's going on around our area and around the racing industry for Brian Osborne, for Rich France, for Scott Medlin, who owns and operates Horsepower Happenings. I'm Zach Heiser, thanking you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk next week, same time, same place, Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.